from KQED. I'm Olivia Allen Price. This is Bay Curious, the podcast that answers your questions about the Bay Area. Today, we're going to take on a question that has been on one woman's mind for 60 years. Hi, I'm Christine Riccardi. I live in Vacaville, California. I'm from South San Francisco, and when I was a little girl, my father would take us on Sunday rides. They'd drive down Highway 1 along the coast and take in those sweeping ocean views. That drive, it's so stunning, it can be hard to take your eyes off the water. But when passing through the town of Pacifica, there is this one bizarre thing that demanded little Chrissy's attention. We would look at this castle, but we never knew what it was. On a high hill above the Sharp Point neighborhood, there's a castle. Seriously, it's made of stone and has four turrets. I've never been inside, but I've been to the outside and I, I've looked over the wall and I've always wondered what the history was of this castle. Today on the show, we're digging into how this medieval-looking castle ended up in a laid-back beach town. Plus, we'll get to know some of the characters that have called this castle home. From rum runners to eccentric rich people to quack doctors, this place has it all. And oh yeah, it might also be haunted. Chrissy, you are in for a treat. Support for Bay Curious comes from Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Founded in 1980, it's still family-owned, operated, and argued over. And still the pale ale that sparked a craft beer revolution. Sierra Nevada, still the one. And be sure to stay tuned through the end of the show so you can play our monthly trivia game for a chance to win some cool prizes. Hey, I'm Brian Stelter, and I hope you'll join me on Inside the Hive from Vanity Fair. Every Thursday, I'm getting the inside take from the best reporters in the country on what figures like Elon Musk, Donald Trump, Kevin McCarthy, and Marjorie Taylor Greene are doing. I think she wants to make things happen. She wants to get legislation passed. She made clear to me that she wants to have a president who upholds Christian values. She embraces the term Christian nationalist. That's Inside the Hive from Vanity Fair. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Bay Curious producer Katrina Schwartz got a private tour of the castle. Despite its apparent grandeur, she found that things inside aren't always what they seem. I can see why this building caught Chrissy's attention. It looks like something out of an English fairy tale, except the setting is all wrong. There's no vast hedge maze or rose garden around it, just split-level homes in a middle-class residential neighborhood. I rang the bell. Oh, This house wasn't owned by some royal who washed up in Pacifica, but rather a San Francisco real estate magnate who also happened to be a little eccentric. Anyway, I'm getting the first tour historian Bridget Oates has given in a year and a half. She's clearly glad to be back in this space. It's beautiful here. 98% of what you're going to see belonged to Sam. That's Sam Mazza. This guy was an art collector with a quirky sense of taste. And he was a bit of a character. Jeanette Cool runs his foundation and says he bought the castle for $29,000 in 1959. And his story was one day I went down to Pacifica with my girlfriend. We had a few gin fizzes, and I signed on the dotted line. (laughs) Jeanette was a close friend, almost like a daughter to Sam Maza in his final years. 
She says he thought a castle would be a cool place to host parties. He'd learn its sordid history later. He did envision it as a playhouse. He loved people, very social, and people loved him. He was a bon vivant for sure. So I think he could imagine having this house as a place to entertain and have big parties. Maza grew up in San Francisco in a family of Italian immigrants from Sicily. Jeanette says he wanted to be an artist, but he had to leave school during the Depression to earn money. He found work restoring and painting the interiors of theaters, the closest he could get to the artistic life he craved. He would do um, the gold leafing and all those beautiful theaters from the 30s and 40s, and all up in the coast, some in L.A., some here. Maza painted the insides of California's great movie palaces. It was good business, and he did well for himself. And with his earnings, he started investing in real estate. He ended up with quite a bit of real estate in San Francisco. Eventually, Maza became quite wealthy. He used his money to collect art, both valuable stuff and Hollywood movie props that look expensive but aren't. Walking around the castle, I spot a huge velvet throne, period costumes on mannequins, and so many knickknacks, but also heavy, beautiful antiques, all mixed together. Definitely there's some eclecticism going on here. Maza died in 2002 at the age of 96. He left the castle and all his real estate holdings to his foundation. It funds youth art programs mostly. What's dominating this room right now is this pump organ, which is also called a harmonium. The harmonium looks like a piano, but the musician has to pump a set of pedals to move the bellows that create its sound. Mr. Maza found it in some woman's house. She was selling her house, and, and he wanted this organ, and she said no. I'm selling it with the house. So he bought the house, and then he took the organ and probably sold the house. I convinced Jeanette to play it for me. My grandmother had one of these, and so I used to play hymns for her. This is her book, actually. Oh, how cool. Sam Maza never lived in the castle, but he did like to celebrate the Pacifica police and fire departments here at lavish gatherings. He especially loved to fet beauty pageant winners. He used to photograph them on that blue velvet throne. Long before the castle became Maza's playhouse, it had a storied history, one Maza soon began to discover. Take Pete McCloskey, a U.S. congressman for 15 years. He represented San Mateo County and co-authored the Endangered Species Act. So when Pete was campaigning for Congress, he came to Pacifica. This is author and historian Bridget Oates. It was 1967, and Pete's father was helping him campaign. They decided to come and go door to door, and it was only then that his father pointed up at the hill and said, by the way, your grandfather built that castle and I grew up there. Turns out, Pete McCloskey's grandfather, Henry Harrison McCloskey, was a lawyer in San Francisco around the turn of the 20th century. When the 1906 earthquake and fire destroyed the city, he was terrified. Henry Harrison wanted to get his family out of San Francisco. He wanted a fortress that would never burn and never fall. There was a new railway line connecting San Francisco to Pacifica, then known as Salada Beach. And Henry McCloskey thought he could get in on the ground floor of the hottest new beachside community. He built the castle in 1908 when there were just six other buildings in the town. Henry uh, unfortunately passed away, and then they had to sell the castle. 
Henry Harrison built the castle with the best materials and went into debt to do it. After his death, his wife couldn't afford to keep it. In 1916, the McCloskeys sold the castle to a doctor who said it would be the perfect place for his patients to convalesce. As they found out later, he was not a certified medical doctor, which is very scandalous because when he moved in, the sheriff noticed car lights going up and down that horrible hill, and they sent out some people to investigate, and that's when they discovered the abortion clinic that he was giving here, and he was subsequently arrested. Abortions were illegal then, and women often trusted their lives to untrained people claiming they could help. The doctor went to jail in 1920, but Bridget says his fake convalescent home was just the beginning of illicit dealings at the castle. Next on the scene was M.L. Hewitt from Montana, and that was right as the Volstead Act was passed, so it was prohibition, and he was like, hey, perfect, speakeasy. Hewitt used the castle to store smuggled whiskey and served it to guests at his speakeasy, Chateau Lafayette. It was one of seven speakeasies in Salada Beach at the time. Bridget says rum running was big business here. A local resident even found tunnels leading from his house down to the beach. It is foggy here, so the Coast Guard would miss these ships, you know, loaded with rum from Canada, and they would just chuck their crates into the sand, and the locals would would load them up. They'd get paid in whiskey, so they were like, heck yeah, let's do this. The party raged at Chateau Lafayette for several years, despite frequent police raids. This big old redwood door has been replaced many times, and that is because Emil Hewitt would bar it, and the cops would scale the wall, bring battering rams and sledgehammers, and break the door down because they knew that he was giving parties here. They would come in, they would confiscate the liquor. All the San Francisco elite was here, dressed to the nines, and they would go running out into the night. M.L. Hewitt died just four years later in 1924, and the castle changed hands several times after that. The next notable moment in the castle's history isn't until World War II, when the Coast Guard rented it as a place for guardsmen to stay. They brought 17 men here. Each man had a dog, and they had to patrol the length of town on the beach looking for enemy saboteurs and whatnot. They never found anything. But 17 enlisted men with little supervision wrecked the house. From then on, it had a series of renters until Sam Maza bought it for a song at the end of the 50s. At this point in the tour, Bridget takes me somewhere most visitors don't get to go. The roof. We walk across a windy expanse to four little turret rooms, one at each corner of the castle. Jeanette has restored and themed these 8 by 8 cubby holes to show off key moments in the castle's history. Oh my god, this is so cool. Isn't it cute? Oh my god. I would have loved this as a kid. Oh yeah, I mean, amazing. Can you imagine? There's a brothel room, a nod to an unsubstantiated story that the castle was once a house of ill repute. 
so cool. And you can see our like little lady in the window when you drive by. Like we have a She's lit. She's lit up. A little boy's bedroom to honor the years when families occupied the house. Jeanette has put a little lit up baby in the window. The, the neighbors who walk past you, they go, yeah, we, we've been looking at that bad baby. <laughs> a Coast Guard's baby. lonely perch and a whole room dedicated to the bed of a famous film star, Pola Negri. Ooh, look at this bed. Oh, my God. <laughs> wow. Very dramatic. It's made of heavy wood and carved with grotesque heads and plump cherubs. Jeanette thinks Sam Mazza wanted to own the bed where a star slept. Like I said, he loved Hollywood. She was well-known and had quite a career, actually. Walking around Sam's castle, it's hard to tell what's real and what's a flimsy prop. There's a suit of armor that looks like it should weigh a 1,000 pounds, but is actually light as a feather. And in what Jeanette calls the guns and religion room, there's a glass case with old pistols. One of them was a real Nazi revolver. The others are stage props. And some of the swords are ceremonial, some are for actors, and some have histories. Hmm. Yeah. Do you think was that, that was his intention, almost like to blur the line between history and story? Or That's an interesting question. I think that he liked what he liked, and the whole movies and all of that was so exciting. Maybe it was blurred for him. I, I think that's an interesting question that you asked. Maybe it was all just... Fantastic. I hadn't thought about that before. Maza spent his career at the altar of the movie business. He painted gorgeous Art Deco movie theaters and rubbed shoulders with stars. The power of Hollywood to shape culture and public opinion was on the upswing, and Maza was besotted. So is it any wonder that relics of that world were just as special to him as expensive antique furniture? As Jeanette says, he liked what he liked. And really, who gets to decide what lives on as art and what is merely stagecraft? That was Bay Curious producer Katrina Schwartz. I think it's fair to say that this castle has history in spades. But is it haunted? Ghost hunters have been on site to do some paranormal tests, and let's just say that they didn't go home empty-handed. Stick around after the episode to hear about a creepy experience from our tour guide, Jeanette. The Sam Maza Castle will be closed through the end of the year due to COVID. Check their website, sammazafoundation.org, for updates on reopening. Katrina took lots of photos of the castle while she was there. You can find them on our website, baycurious.org. And she also made a TikTok video. Uh-oh, Bay Curious doing TikTok, y'all. You can find that on KQED's TikTok feed. Thanks to Chrissy Riccardi for asking this week's question. Bay Curious is produced by Katrina Schwartz, Brendan Willard, Sebastian Mignobuccelli, and me, Olivia Allen Price. Our show is made at member-supported KQED in San Francisco. So we were in the kitchen, and there's a door that goes back to another room, and someone knocked on the door, and I thought, oh dear, someone has gone back there, and the rest of the people have gone. And so I went to open the door, and of course there was no one there. And she heard it, I heard it I heard distinctly. It. It was three mm-hmm. loud knocks. Mm-hmm. 
Hi, Bay Curious listeners. Are you ready to play March's trivia game? Every month, we'll read a question here at the end of our episode. You can give us your answers over at our website, kqed.org slash baycurious, or just click the link in the episode description. Out of the correct answers, we'll randomly choose one lucky winner to receive a sweet prize package with Bay Curious swag and Sierra Nevada goodies. Okay, our question for the month is... This Bay Area high school holds the longest winning streak in high school football. They won 151 games in a row between 1992 and 2004. What is the name of the school? Our trivia quiz is made possible by Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Good luck! Hey, John Favreau here. There's no shortage of political takes in 2024, but quantity doesn't cut it. We need a better conversation about the latest biggest election of our lives. On Pod Save America, me and my co-host cut through the noise to help you figure out what matters and how you can help. Every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday, Pod Save America is breaking down the political news that makes us laugh, cry, and snap our laptops in half. Expensive year for laptops. Make sure to check out new episodes of Pod Save America on your favorite podcast platform or our YouTube channel now.